Welcome to True Spirituality Network. We are focused on spreading the gospel of God's love across the world. The Bible says, There is no fear in love, and perfect love casts out every fear. As you feed on God's love for you, allow His love to cast out every fear, worry, and anxiety. God loves you. Father, we thank you because you love us so much and there's nothing more beautiful than we understanding your love for us. We give you all of the praise. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we know that as we fly into your word today, you make us to see Jesus in the beauty of his holiness. And let your name be glorified. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' beautiful name, have we prayed. I let God's people say, Amen. Amen. Okay, today I will have to be very fast. I have so many things to say, so I just have to rush it, take it one step at a time. We've been on a series, Solid Food, and I've been, we, we tagged it Solid Food because it is not a milk message. We want to start exploring some things in the scripture, and some of the things we want to explore, they are not the milk message. And when I mean milk message, I mean they are not the ABC of Christianity. And they are more like the advanced teachings of the scripture. And we've been able to explore a couple of them in the past few days when we started the series. This is the third part. This is the part three of this series. So that means if you're listening to this one for the first time and you're yet to catch up with the part one and part two, Whatever means you're using to listen to this, you should catch up with the part one and part two when you, whenever you have the time. And it's available on Spotify, available on AudioMark, available on Amazon Music, available on Radio Public, available on YouTube, available on Instagram, available on Facebook, available everywhere. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So we've been exploring the book of Hebrews chapter 5, and I'm going to start reading straight away. I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 5. I'm going to read from verse I'm going to read from verse 12 to verse 14. Hebrews chapter 5 from verse 12 to verse 14. NIV version. The Bible says, "In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word." All over again, you need milk, not solid food. Let me stop there for a while. So the writer of Hebrews was writing to some set of people and then he's been teaching them from chapter 1. When he got to chapter 5, he started teaching them on Jesus being our high priest. Who is an high priest? An high priest is someone who represents the people in the sight of God. You know, the same way a prophet represents God in the sight of people. A prophet speaks on behalf of God. That is the same way an high priest speaks and represents men, or better still, in the sight of God, the high priest represents men. You have to really pay attention to this part. I've preached on this before. If you have listened to some of my past content, I've thought of the fact that Jesus is our high priest. And... That message is a meat message. It's not a, it's not a milk message. 
and when i use the word milk when i use the word meat i simply means that before you can teach topic like jesus is our high priest you have to make sure the people you are teaching you have rightly taught them the doctrine of righteousness what is the doctrine of righteousness it is you have to make them understand that when they got saved they received a gift called righteousness when i got saved i didn't have anybody to teach me that i have always thought in my life when i got saved that righteousness is what i have to earn what i have to work for and then i started that journey but it's almost as if the more i try to earn it the more as if i get far from that thing called righteousness so i didn't have anybody to teach me righteousness was a gift so at the point when i tried tried my best tried my best and i realized there was always one thing that i wasn't doing enough at the point i gave up at the point i was tired but when i started hearing the true gospel that started making me understand you are the righteousness of god second corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says god made him talking about jesus who knew no sin to be seen so that you and i can become the righteousness of god today we became the righteousness of god if they, ha- they are to ask you today why are you righteous today as believers we are righteous not because of our actions we are righteous because of jesus finished work on the cross the only way to be declared righteous in the sight of god according to the bible is to put faith in what christ has done that is the only way you are declared righteous and when you do that it will produce the fruits of living right living right for the believer is a fruit of the fact that you already know you're righteous as a man thinketh in his heart so is he if you are born again and then you have a good preacher who is preaching the true gospel making you understand you're already righteous you will see the fruit of righteousness manifest but if you don't have a good preacher to tell you you're already righteous you will think in your mind that you are trying to be righteous and the moment you think you are trying to be you never get to that point this is why some believers tend to have identity crisis because they don't know they're already righteous in christ so most of the time they still try and tell god god i'm a sinner you are not a sinner if you're born again because the bible says as jesus is so are you in this world jesus is not a sinner so you are not a sinner he took all of your sins on the cross of calvary so that you can receive all of his righteousness when you go born again so you need to be rightly taught that you are no longer a sinner stop identifying with sin romans chapter 6 verse 2 says how can we who have died to sin live in it anymore you died to sin so you're no longer alive to sin right now you are alive unto righteousness so you need teachings that will expose you to the righteousness of god and guess what the righteousness of god is a gift for everyone who believes you know when when i teach on the righteousness of god i don't give any man accolade i give only christ the accolade that you are righteous today not because of the good you've done not because you pay your tithe but because of what jesus did and the more you understand that you're righteous because of what jesus did for you you will effortlessly see so many fruits of righteousness manifest you want to give to god uncontrollably you know when you start motivating a believer before they can give to god before they can give to god 
and you think you have to cajole them as if God really needs their money. That God so much needs it that if they don't give it, that something bad may happen. It's because you, you are yet to rightly teach them the word of God. Just teach the believer how he has been radically blessed in Christ. How God has blessed him with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. And effortlessly, he will start effortlessly giving to God. You can't help it. The fruit of the Spirit will manifest. So anyway, so that is very important. So the writer of the book of Hebrews started talking about the fact that Jesus is our high priest. The teaching of high priest, he started talking about it in, in details from Hebrews chapter 5 from verse 1. And then when he got to verse 10, he stopped. He said in verse 11, he said, you know, I wish I could continue, but right now I don't think you guys are ready to hear this. He said, by now, some of you ought to have been teachers. Some of you ought to have been teachers. Some of you ought to have been teachers. I strongly believe maybe because some of these guys have been born again for a long time, but they were still under the law. What does it mean to be under the law? When you are under the law, it simply means that you are still trying to justify yourself by your works. You were not saved by your works. You were saved by grace. Most times the believer gets tempted to go back to the law. And that simply means if you were saved by grace, stop trying to justify yourself by your works. Do you know how you can do the litmus test for that? If you think right now that maybe God is obligated to bless you because of the things you are doing for him. Let me say this, by the way. With all humility, with all humility. Now, don't quote me out of context. I do so many things with all humility for the kingdom. But you know what? I don't have this mentality of, ah, with everything I'm doing right now, God should be doing, God now holds me a blessing. No. Do you know the reason I'm doing what I'm doing? Because God has blessed me radically with all spiritual blessings. It's a fruit. Everything I'm doing for God is a fruit. It is not me trying to make it God feel as if God, so I've done this for you, so you hold me this. If I want to do that contract with God, whereby God will bless me according to the things I do for him, I think I will be experiencing the measure of goodness I'm, I'm enjoying today. But you know, when you understand that you've been radically blessed, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. He has blessed you with all spiritual blessings. And because you are the blessed of God, you can't help it than to also be a blessing to the kingdom, than to be a blessing to the body of Christ. You can't help it. It's a fruit. You can't help those things. These things will come naturally. So they were under the law. They were, they were trying to go back to the law. So Paul, or the writer, most likely Paul, had to address that. Some of you ought to have been teachers by now, but you know, you, you, but you, you, you're yet to understand the doctrine of righteousness. That's what brings us to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's word over and over. What is the elementary truth of God's word over and over? Verse 13. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. So the person who is yet to understand the doctrine of righteousness, who is yet to understand that righteousness is a gift, no matter what you do as a believer, you can never lose the gift of righteousness. I've had this conversation with a couple of believers. First joke, by the way, I remember one time like that, I was speaking with somebody over the phone, trying to teach the person on the doctrine of righteousness. Because this person, even though the person was born again, she was saying she's still a sinner. She was saying she's not righteous yet. 
that righteousness is in the future we have to keep trying our best to get there and then i told her for a start then you don't understand your scripture then you are insulting the death of jesus if you say you are not righteous yet it's like you saying jesus has not died for you yet because people like abraham that lived before the cross the bible says abraham lived before the death of jesus the bible says abraham believed god it was accounted it was credited unto him as righteousness you you are born again jesus bled for you he was punished he was condemned god left him he died for your sins and you're still telling me you are a believer you don't believe you're righteous then what is christianity you better don't even go go, go serve another god if that god cannot promise you a gift of righteousness even after sending his son to take your place and die for your sins he died for your sins so you can live for his righteousness so i was trying to convince the person then i quoted so many scriptures and then and then i quoted romans chapter 4 where the bible clearly states that to the one who does not work but trust god who justifies the ungodly that statement is very powerful god justifies the ungodly that simply means god's justification is for people who don't deserve it the grace of god is for you when you don't deserve it that's why grace is grace at points where you think you don't deserve to be saved you don't deserve to be loved god loved you still the prodigal son went and he came back he doesn't deserve anything good anymore but you know what because god is good and his mercies endure it forever and you know he doesn't relate with us based on our goodness but he relates with us based on his own goodness so the prodigal son still got the good he didn't deserve and that is how god relates with you today and if you the moment you shift your focus from god's goodness and you shift it to your goodness you are taking yourself back to the law the bible says having begun in the spirit continuing the spirit you were saved because god is a good god you were not saved because you were good while you were yet sinners in your mess christ died for you and if you can be humble and just say father i thank you because worthy is the lamb that was slain it is not the lamb and you it is only one lamb and that lamb is jesus christ so if you think god is blessing you if you think you are born again if you think god loves you today all because of the things you do we serve god we pray every day you are self-righteous and you're bringing yourself back to the law because you're trying to justify yourself by your works we were all saved by jesus finished works if you're trying to put your faith in the things you do and no longer the things jesus did for you you're trying to bring yourself back to the law that's exactly what it means you know most times people don't understand what these statements mean what do you mean when they, somebody, when they see somebody fall from grace? When they see somebody backslide, fall from grace. That brother fell from grace. People don't know what it means. People use it out of context. Listen to me. Solid food, right? This is a solid food teaching. Solid food teaching, right? What it means to fall from grace is not committing sin. Bible answer. Let me show you what the Bible says. Bible answer. Most times we say something like, Oh, that brother is not living the wayward life he has fall from grace that is not exactly the bible definition of fall from grace in fact bible definition of fall from grace when that happens when when i show you what i'm going to show you right now it will produce sin okay I, let, let, let me just take this one step at a time what does it mean to fall from grace because again we claim ephesians chapter 2 says it is by grace you have been saved and not by works so I, I already explained this. The reason why you were saved, you were born again, is because Christ died for you. We didn't deserve anything good 
from God because of our sin. But yet God loved us and allowed the punishment of our sin to fall on Jesus so that we can get the good we don't deserve. Under the grace of God, we are getting the good, the blessing we don't deserve. You know why? Because God is a good God and he loves you. So when you got saved by grace, you may be tempted to start going back to the law. The law is the opposite of grace. The law is simply you trying to justify yourselves but based on your works. Grace, when we talk about grace, is we talking about the fact that we are justified by Jesus' finished works. Under the law, I can be proud and make you feel bad that you are not doing as much as I am doing for God. I can make you feel bad that you are not fasting the, the way I fast, you are not praying the way I pray. Or you can make me feel bad that you are fasting more than I do, you are doing religious activity more than I do. But you know what? I don't want to be under the law. <laughs> because it is so tiring. I want to be under the grace whereby the only person we celebrate is Christ and what he has done for us. When you bring yourself to the law, you celebrate yourself. The days you do good, you, you put it out there. You talk a lot about it. And the day you do bad, you start feeling bad. You feel as if God is far from you. I don't want to live like that. I want to live under the shelter of what Jesus has already done for me. I want to remain in the secret place. Jesus is my secret place. Secret place is not, I don't say the time believers think secret place is, ah, go back to your secret place. No. Secret place is Jesus. Jesus is your secret place. You said you're ready for solid food. So I'm beginning to debunk some religiosity. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Who is the secret place? What is the secret place? Jesus is the secret place of the Most High. So you are actively there. Most times believers say, you have to go back to the secret place. No. Jesus is your secret. You are always in him and he is always in you. Christ in you, the hope of your glory. Ephesians chapter 2 now says we are seated in him. So you are in Christ. Christ is in you. So you are not going back to any secret place. You are in the secret place. The secret place lies in you and Jesus is that secret place. Glory to God. So Galatians chapter 5. Let me show you a place in the scripture. Galatians chapter 5 verse 4. NLT. Galatians chapter 5 verse 4. So people don't understand what it means to fall from grace. People think when somebody used to come to church before, he used to serve, and then he stopped serving, maybe that brother, he has fallen from grace. You, you missed the open. That's not what it means. But let me show you what the Bible definition of fall from grace means. Fall from grace, Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. I have NLT Bible, so I just want to read what the NLT says. It says, for if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You are falling away from God's grace. I wish, I wish, what I just quoted right now, I wish most preachers understand it. The Bible literally says, if you are trying to justify yourself, if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you are being cut off from Christ. That statement, cut off from Christ, is a very big word. Do you want to be cut off from Christ? The answer will be no. You know, logically speaking, over the years, even when I preach, and I say something like, God loves you, irrespective of what you do, people think, oh, so you are saying people should not do anything. I you not saying people should not walk. I just say, that's not what we're saying. You missed the whole point. The Bible literally says, if you're trying to make yourself right with God, based on your works, by trying to keep the law, if that is the basis for you, trying to make yourself right inside of God, the Bible says you have already been cut off from Christ. You are falling from grace. By the way, that means grace is higher than the law. 
Because the Bible says you fall from grace, that means grace is a higher ground. That means if I really love you and I want to preach to you, I should try and make sure I bring you again to the consciousness of the grace of God. I don't want you to fall from grace. I want you to remain in grace. I want you to be conscious of what Christ has done. And that's how grace comes. The Bible says, John chapter 1 verse 17, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This is why I preach a lot about Christ and what he has done. Because I don't want you to fall from that grace. I don't want you to put your confidence, your faith in what you do. I want you to put your confidence, faith, and assurance in what Christ has done. That's the only way you can have peace with God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In your relationship with God, you should understand that if you want to have peace, good conscience, clean conscience, your faith should be in what Christ has done or what you're doing. If God is blessing you and you think the reason why God is blessing you is because of the things you are doing, that you fasted, that you prayed, that you did night vigil, that you give to the poor, and you think that is the reason why God is blessing you, you are still proud. You are trying to make yourself right by your works again. You are trying to justify yourself by the things you do. The things you do should be a fruit. It shouldn't be what you are trying to use to justify yourself. Because we are only justified because of what Jesus has done. So that's what brings us under grace. But if you are trying to justify yourself by your works, the Bible says you are falling from grace. I don't want you to fall from grace. I want you to remain focused on Jesus. Don't look at yourself. Most of the time when you look at yourself, you will be depressed. And when you look at yourself, there is no rest. When you look at Christ and what he has done, it brings rest to your soul. So you have to understand. So anyway, so the writer of Hebrews was writing to the Hebrew people and then, or to the Jews or to the Hebrews, Hebrew brethren. And then he was telling them about Jesus being an high priest. Who is an high priest? An high priest is someone who is representing the people in the sight of God. Just like Aaron was the first major high priest. And then he was representing people to God. Now listen, an high priest determines a lot of things. The reason why God brought up the idea of high priest for the children of Israel was because they murmur a lot. <laughs> the children of Israel were always murmuring. And so God wanted to look for a gracious way to relate with them. So God said, you know what? Let Aaron be the high priest. So that whether the people are murmuring or not, it won't matter. As long as Aaron, to an extent, is able to make sure he presents himself blameless, holy, to an extent. So every time Aaron comes to represent the children of Israel, even if the children of Israel were murmuring, even if they were complaining, it doesn't matter to God. So God started relating with them, not based on their actions, not based on their works, but based on their high priest, Aaron. So if your high priest is good, even if the people are bad, God will decide in his goodness to relate with all the people based on their high priest. So your high priest is good even if the people are bad, which most of the time is always the case. God still shows them goodness because they now have an high priest who represents them. The same way a prophet represents God in the sight of people. He brings a message from God and gives it to the people. He stands on behalf of God and represents and represent God to the people. So also does an high priest represent men to God. So if your high priest is good, then in the sight of God, everybody is good. Because God no, no longer relates with them based on their actions, but God relates with them based on their high priest. And then the Hebrew writer began to explain this in Hebrews chapter 5 from verse 1. And then when he got to chapter 10, he said, and God has made Jesus our high priest. Glory to Jesus. You know what that means? 
he said that means literally by the way jesus being your high priest simply means jesus is your representative in the sight of god most of the time we get so self-righteous we say things like god i know i'm not worthy to be in your presence you are conscious of yourself you are not do you think we pray in your name we don't pray in your name we pray in the name of jesus <laughs> so we don't say what is you we don't say in your name we say in jesus name everything we do is all about jesus 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 because he is our high priest guess what your high priest is always worthy if your high priest is worthy if your high priest is accepted you are forever accepted in the sight of god this was the teaching the guy wanted to start preaching and they said ah this teaching and then the pastor said you know what i can't continue now because you don't understand this you can't understand it he said because i feel as if some of you ought to have been teachers by now but you are still a babe you know why he called them a babe because you are even yet to understand the doctrine of righteousness so you are still taking milk that's exactly what he was talking about he said this teaching of high priest if i start teaching now some of you may not understand the reason is because even normal righteousness just christianity 101 understanding your righteousness in christ some of you don't understand and if you don't understand righteousness you are still a babe some of you don't understand that the day you go born again automatically you are the righteousness of god but the next thing you think is but i've not done everything right but i have a weakness but you know i'm still battling with an area of my life where i'm still trusting god to help me i still have an addiction i'm still telling god to help me here how will you say i'm righteous when i've not done everything right that is the one billion dollar question people ask you know what let me quickly help you with that answer how will you say jesus became sin on the cross when he didn't commit a sin you want reason for me to tell you that you're righteous because you've not committed you've not done everything right now if you can prove to me how jesus became sin on the cross without doing anything wrong i will tell you by the grace of god that today you are righteous even when you have not done everything right you have to understand this truth so the writer of people is like you don't even understand righteousness 101 i don't think you're ready for the teaching of high priest exactly what was going on if you read from maybe chapter from verse one he started talking about jesus being a high priest and i just talked about this right now that's not about whether you are accepted it's all about jesus is jesus accepted you are accepted in the sight of god when you want to pray at times the devil tells you are you sure god will answer you he chose that thought into your heart you know what to do you say you know what if god will answer jesus then god will answer me because god will hear jesus anytime he speaks to him and because of that god will hear me every time because jesus is my high priest so it's not a function of me it's a function of my high priest and guess what i love the part where the bible says god has made jesus an high priest after the order of melchizedek glory to god because melchizedek priesthood is a forever priesthood aaron could be the priest of israel for a while aaron is a man aaron could die but jesus lives forevermore so as i'm speaking to you right now you have an high priest in the sight of god he's actively sitting there on your behalf and so god no longer looks at you god looks at your high priest guess what if your high priest is accepted you are forever accepted in the sight of god if your high priest is good all of you will keep enjoying the goodness of god for the rest of your life this is why i see the goodness of god manifest in my life because i know who my high priest is he is altogether lovely he is pure he is holy he is righteous and guess what if your high priest is righteous if your high priest is good god will forever relate with you on a good note 
Your high priest has presented you blameless and spotless in the sight of God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 22. But make us understand Christ has presented us in the sight of God. So it's no longer about God. Am I really worthy? God, am I? Don't be introspective. Christianity is not about you. It's all about Jesus Christ and what he has done for us on the cross of Calvary. So God relates with you based on your, because of your high priest. If your high priest is good, guess what? You're all good. And that teaching, the writer of Hebrews says, if I teach you guys now, you won't fully understand it. Because some of you are still taking milk. Some of you are still taking milk. So there are some teachings I would love to teach you don't understand yet. That was why even when Jesus was on heart, and I said it, Jesus preached the law. Jesus preached the law. Jesus preached a message to those people and make them feel as if they have to be justified. They won't be justified until they do some things. And Jesus intentionally preached the law because he hasn't died and rose. So he had to preach the law because he hasn't come to demolish or abolish the law. So Jesus preached the law because, again, the law in the first place was given so that man can come to the hem of himself. In fact, the Bible says the strength of sin is the law. So until we all come to a place and say, you know what, I've been trying to please God, I can't please God. And then you understand, you get the old, the old message. That Christianity is not, a mess, is not a journey of you trying to please God. If we could try and please God in the first place, we didn't need Jesus. So at times Jesus will come and preach a message like, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Jesus, what do you mean? At one point or another, one of us must have fallen that guy's So he said, Jesus, I mean, I don't think any of us can do these things. Jesus will say something like, okay, you have heard in the time of old that whosoever commits adultery, or better, whosoever does this commit adultery. But I tell you now that whosoever looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery. Jesus, then who is now safe? Because I may be on my social media innocently. I love God. Be on YouTube, see a video innocently, and then something pops up. And then you know all of this ads you didn't prepare for. And then they pop up. Jesus, you mean I've already committed adultery? It's not my fault. You say, well, that is it. So that we can all come to a point and say, Jesus, we, nobody can survive all of these things. And then say, you know what? I know you can't be justified by your, by your works. That is why I've come to give you a greater gift called the gift of righteousness. That's why Jesus said, except your righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees and Sadducees, you shall not enter the kingdom of God. Because Sadducees and Pharisees' righteousness, they are self-righteousness. So God has to give us a greater gift called the gift of righteousness. So Jesus preached the law. That's why Jesus would preach a message like, except you forgive, and I explained this in the last session. He said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Jesus preached the law. Making people as if until you forgive people, God will not forgive you. He could preach that before the death and his burial and his resurrection. Why? Because again, until when faith come, we were still under a schoolmaster. The book of Galatians says, now that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. God brought the law first, or better still, the law was given first before the grace of God was given. But you know what? Now that the grace of God has come through our Lord Jesus Christ, we are no longer under the law. In fact, let me say this statement to you. Let me see if you can handle it. The Bible says in the book of Galatians, as many that are led by the Spirit of God, they are no longer under the law. So today we are no longer under do's and don'ts. Oh, the next thing you think is perfect. You and I got you. So you are saying we can do anything we like? That, I know that's the first fleshy question people always ask in their mind. Paul preached we are no longer under the law. More than once. 
because the law will always point you to yourself. Grace will point you to Christ. If you are to choose one, I would suggest you choose grace. <laughs> That's why I preach the grace of God. So the Bible makes us understand. These guys called Hebrews, they are here to understand the doctrine of righteousness. So how can Paul even start teaching them on high priest? So there are so many things he wanted to communicate. But he couldn't because he said some of you are still taking milk. He said by now some of you have been teachers. That's why even it's sad at times. Some people claim to be 20 years born again. They claim to be 10 years in a particular denomination. But just explaining the doctrine of righteousness, they can't. So when you check the message they preach, it, those are the messages that still point people to themselves. They preach message that points people to their sin, that points people to the things that they are not doing enough. That is not the gospel. The gospel unveils the righteousness of God, not the sinfulness of men. The gospel is to tell you what Christ has done, not what you are not doing enough, not how you are not praying enough, not how you are not fasting enough. That is not the gospel. The gospel has nothing to do with, oh, you guys are not praying enough, you are not studying enough, you are not fasting enough. That is not, there is nothing even good in that. The gospel is good news. But you know what the gospel is? Christ paid the price for you. Christ did everything for you. The moment you keep hearing that, automatically, faith comes. The Bible says now those three things will remain. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of them is love. This is why I talk a lot about the love of God. I don't want to talk about your love for God. That is limited. You never had love in the first place. So God had to teach us how to love. You know, in under the law, and I'll start using these punchlines now so you guys will be able to get it. Under the law, again, what is law? Law are the things you have to do to be justified inside of God, which nobody could do if we could be justified by the works of the law. Galatians 2.21, I'm giving you a reference. Then Christ died in vain. Galatians 2.21 says, if righteousness can be achieved through the law, Christ died in vain. So none of us could be justified by the law. But law came first so that we can all see the need for a savior. That those are the terms, book of Galatians, book of Romans, we're using. Before the Bible spoke about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, Galatians 1, Galatians 2, Galatians 3 tackled the issue of the fact that you can't be justified by the law. But when he started talking about the grace of God, they started talking about the fruits of the Spirit. The grace of God produces natural fruit of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, I have so many things to say. So we couldn't be justified by the law. But the law came first before grace. John chapter 1 verse 17. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came to Jesus Christ. So even though Jesus preached the law, why? He preached the law again. He amplified the law to make people see that there is a need for a savior. Lord, nobody can keep all of these commandments. Lord, we can't keep all of this law. Lord, help us. I can't please you with my works. And God said, yes, you got, it. you got the old message now. That the message of Christianity is a message of faith. The only way you can please me is if you put faith in what Christ has done. That's why the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. None of us can please God by our works. So God has to make sure that he gives us something better. Putting faith in Christ is what pleases God. So when you come boldly to the throne of grace, I do not come based on the things you've done right, but based on what Christ has done for you. God loves it. That's even what it means to worship God in spirit and in truth. When you begin to acknowledge God for what Christ has done on your behalf, that is pure worship. Talking about the fact that he died for you. Talking about the fact that he raised you up to more than you can be. Talking about the fact that you are justified, you are purified by the blood of the Lamb. Those are true worship in spirit and in truth. You are acknowledging the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. That is pure worship. 
God loves that kind of worship. When we get to heaven, that is the kind of worship we'll have in heaven. What is the lamb that was slain to receive power, blessings, and riches, and the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of Christ? Gospel leaders, worship leaders, you need songs. <laughs> Go look for songs that talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That talk about what Christ has done for you. Those are pure worship. Worship in spirit and in truth. Praise worship leaders. Those are the content you should look for. God loves it when you tell him, God, you are great. He loves it. But you know what God loves much more? You acknowledging the death, burial, and resurrection of his son. Because that was the ultimate, ultimate proof that he showed you that he loved you. For God to love the world that he gave. So he loves you when you acknowledge his son and what he has done for you. And that's what it means to be in grace. So under the law, Jesus said, um, the summary of the law, because they asked Jesus, Jesus, which is the greatest among the law? And people don't understand that he was talking about the law. Believer that, that can't even separate law from grace, he still, doesn't, <laughs> he, still, he still needs to be rightly taught. That is why most times you see most believers today who ask the Holy Spirit on their inside, they are trying to pray the prayer point of David in Psalm 51, which is not scriptural. Psalm 51, David lived under the law. David lived before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So his relationship with God is not the same as your relationship with God. You know, one time somebody made a post. I love that post so much. The person said, when we get to heaven and you're asking Elijah how he was able to stop the rain, what it feels like to, to run faster than Ahab's chariot. And you're asking um, Moses what it feels like to part the Red Sea. He says they will ask you what it feels like to have the Holy Spirit living on your inside. That is so powerful. Really powerful. David, I wish people understand what I'm about to say. David wrote in Psalm 32. David said, blessed are those. David wished he was one of us. Blessed are those whose iniquity are forgiven. <laughs> Oh my God. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. Blessed are those whom God will not impute sin. Go read Psalm 32. Because the Bible calls it again in Romans chapter 4. David spoke about the blessedness of those who God justifies apart from their works. Romans chapter 4 verse 6. Go read it. David was saying, Blessed are those whose sins are forgiven. Talking about you and I. Because we experience the forgiveness because of what Jesus did for us. So you can't be saying, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Cast not away from your presence. David said it. You need to be rightly taught. He lived under the law. So he could pray that prayer. You are under the grace. Again, Galatians chapter 5 verse 4 says, the moment you are trying to justify yourself again by the works of the law, by the law, you are falling from grace. So don't bring yourself back to David's mentality to be praying David's prayer point. Because at that time, if you're praying it, you're already falling from grace. Bring yourself to where Christ has brought you. Understand you are the righteousness of God. So don't pray people take not the Holy Spirit from me. Who do you think the Holy Spirit is? Do you think, okay, you got born again, God gave you the Holy Spirit, and then you committed a sin and God took his Holy Spirit, or God is waiting for you to beg him so that he doesn't take it from you? What, what kind of image of God do you have on your head? <laughs> but David said, take not your Holy Spirit for... You need to be rightly taught. Jesus said, 
because don't start having an image of a god who can't make who can't decide or who, who, who doesn't know how to decide on whether i should give you the holy spirit or not so you are begging to take not taking from you <laughs> so you think god i mean i don't know how people even picture god god gives you something and then we make mistakes god say, oh, i will take i will take i will take it from you i will take it from you if are you married are you in a relationship if your husband if your wife offends you the next thing you do do you go take the wedding ring from him or her <laughs> because I'm trying to understand how people see God. People just feel as if God is. And that's why you have to understand the love of God. When the prodigal son came back, the father did not say, <laughs> I've been waiting for you to come back. No! So I can take. There's even nothing to take anymore from the prodigal son because he lost everything. But you know what? Even when the prodigal son lost, lost everything, the loving father gave him everything again and much more. Romans fourteen seventeen. No, that's not the place. There's a place in the book of Romans. It says the gift and the calling of God is without repentance. I'm trying to remember the verse, but go check it. Romans. God doesn't change his mind. That's why when Samson messed up, God still loved him. God still showed up for him. Samson lived before the law. He lived under the law. He lived before the grace. <laughs> the time of grace. Oh! Akimika, I caught you. So you are one of these preachers that preach that anybody can do anything because they're under the grace. So can we keep on doing anything we like and say the grace of God should abound? And you may ask that question. I've asked people ask me these questions before. Romans chapter 6, that was the same question they asked Paul. By the way, if they start asking you that question, it's a proof that you are preaching the right gospel. <laughs> you should digest that. When people start asking you, you preach the love of God a lot. I mean, does that mean we shouldn't do anything? If they start asking you that question, then that means you are preaching the right gospel because they ask Paul that question. Because if people can't, if you preach the law, people won't question what you teach. When you preach the grace of God, people come for you. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, religious people, they had issues with Jesus. Even sinners, they don't have issues with the message of Jesus. Because he came for sinners in the first place. <laughs> he came to die for the ungodly. He came to die for sinners. So religious people had issues with Jesus because Jesus seemed to make God so acceptable. Jesus will spend time with people that don't deserve it. So the Pharisees never liked it because they felt as if, oh, anybody who don't deserve it wants to spend time with Even we. And then they justify themselves again. They feel as if they are righteous. And then just is not spending time with them. Just is not talking to them about God. But people that don't deserve it, the woman in John chapter 4, the woman in John chapter 8, Jesus will be spending time with them. So they don't like the fact that Jesus made God so acceptable. But again, that's the love of God. It has, it has made salvation appear unto all men. So you can't use it to do anything you like because now you are saying, well, God will not take his Holy Spirit from us. Let me challenge you. Let me really challenge you. You know what I think? I think an average born-again believer today, in the deepest part of his heart, is looking for more ways to serve God. In the deepest part of his heart, if he understands all his sins are forgiven, no matter what he does, God will never use it against him. I think if he can fully understand that, I think he will fall in love with God the more. And he will be free from condemnation. He will have peace with God. I don't think, listen, I don't think there's any sin born again believer who has the Holy Spirit that will be looking for freedom and the grace of God as an avenue to go live the kind of life he wants. I have a good opinion about people. I don't think people are looking for more opportunity to sin. I think people are looking for more opportunity to serve God. 
People are looking for more opportunity to please. I think. I don't think people are looking for opportunity to just, ah, oh, thank God, now I can do anything I like. No. But I've prayed this method so much and I've seen people being free from the shackles and the bondage of sin. I've seen people deliver from, from major weakness of their lives. Because they've been thinking, they've been re-identifying and they've been defining themselves based on what the word of God says they are not. So when they understand they are completely forgiven, they are righteous, it just sets them free. To serve God, to produce good works, fruit of the Spirit. So people are not looking for, except you, except you listening to this, if, if your next question is, oh, thank God I'll do anything I like, then I'm thinking. So if you tell your wife, if you have to tell your wife, you guys are having a good time. You guys hang out. You went for a dinner date. Because I don't know how people think God thinks. But let me tell you this. If you think strong affirmation will produce licentious lifestyle, then you don't, you don't understand the, the, what love is all about. So you think if you tell your wife that no matter what she does, you will never stop loving her. If you're married, if your husband ever told you that before, and then the next thing you think is, thank God I've been looking for this opportunity. I've wanted to live the kind of life I want. I just needed your word. People don't need your, your affirmation to live the kind of life they want if they want to live a licentious lifestyle. I hope you get what I just said. I don't need your strong word of validation to live a licentious life. I want to live a licentious lifestyle. So if you think, if you tell your wife that no matter what she does, you will never stop loving her, and you think, you really want to be in your senses, you think the next thing you do is, thank God, now I can go and commit adultery. And you think that's what she will say? No. You, you know what I think she will say? Or what I think she will feel? I think if you tell your wife that no matter what, again, there's nothing she can do that can make you stop loving her, I think she will feel safe, one. She will feel so secure, two. And she can't help it. She will just blush so much. Even give you a hug. Give you a peck. Because naturally when people understand they are radically loved, it produces a fruit of love again. Now, but people think, when I come and I preach and I tell people, God loves you no matter what you do. I don't know how people can still logically think that is the preacher giving people a venue to go live a reward life. But you think you, you that are thinking what I'm thinking now, you think when you tell your own wife, it gives her a sense of security and affirmation. I don't understand. I don't understand how people can present God to be scaring God's people, thinking let us scare them with God so that they can live a good life. But when you get to your own house, you, you don't scare your wife in order to love you. You give your wife affirmation. You give your wife love language so that she can love you in return to an extent. But you think when it comes to God's people, you don't have to tell them God loved them because they may misuse it. Then you have a wrong opinion about this whole thing. You have to go sit down with your Bible again and be rightly taught. When you remove love from God, what is, what is next? Nothing, because God himself is love. So you have to portray God the way he is. He is love. Again, in black and white, no matter what you do, if you think me saying that statement is, oh, can we do anything we like, then you go back to your house and go tell your wife that, oh, babe, let me tell you the things you can't do. Because I'm trying to understand how people think. Because I preached it to this level, I was asking this week, how come people can't get simple logic? Give people words of affirmation. So you think if you tell your child today, 
let me tell you something a child that will live a wayward life doesn't need affirmation from the parents anybody who wants to live a wayward life doesn't need your affirmation to live their wayward life but people who get consistent affirmation they live a life pleasing to god because they know they are loved and even what i'm saying right now the bible confirms it first john chapter 2 verse 15 to 17 i believe the bible says do not love the world whosoever loved the world the love of the father is not in him literally that means if you don't know that about the love of god you will love the world if you know about the love of god effortlessly you can't fall in love with the world with the world again everything i'm doing for god today for the kingdom today is because i understand the love of god i can't start counting because again <laughs> but think about it think about it think about it so my point is when you hear the message of god's love you say you're ready for solid meat solid food so i'm training to you the message of of god's love will never produce licentiousness it will never but you know what when you give people insecurity when you scare them with god instead of you portraying the real image of god when you assassinate the character of god in the sight of people all because you are thinking you are trying to make them fear god so they can serve god you miss the opening god is love you present the loving image of god to them the holy spirit will help them to bear fruit of the spirit which again is love you want people to love god much more tell them much more about the love of god i wish preachers understand the things i'm saying right now first john 4 19 the bible says we love because he loved us first you have to understand this thing so over the years i preached love of god again people say oh now are you saying we can do anything how come but you can in your own house be telling your wife words of affirmation but you can't tell god's people god's words of affirmation you think you have to scare god's people to make them really really serve god but you don't have to scare your wife to make your wife be honest with you i don't know so you are more gracious than god are you telling me you are more loving than god but you know what the truth of god's word is if you tell your wife words of affirmation he'll love it he loves to hear it so you have to tell god's people that their lover who died for them and who chose them while they were yet sinners that when they believed in him he justified them and made them his bride and he's coming back for them when they hear things like that he produces faith they can't help it the bible says faith works by love galatians chapter 5 verse 6 you said you're ready for solid meat so let me wrap it up on this note so yesterday i established that jesus preached the law in matthew chapter 5 sermon on the mount he preached the law why because again he had to uphold the law because until he died and resurrected people are under the law it was the death and the resurrection of jesus that brought about the manifestation of the grace of god so jesus preached in matthew chapter 6 from verse 13 it says and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil one verse 14 matthew 6 14 for if you forgive other people when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you that was under the law under the law is you do good you get good you do bad you get bad but under the grace glory to jesus and this is what makes christianity different from every other religion under the grace it is about god working and when you begin to acknowledge the works 
of God, it produces good works as a fruit for you. So under the grace, do I have to forgive my neighbor before God can forgive me? <laughs> Is it until I make sure I forgive everybody that that's when God will forgive me? The answer is no. Under the grace, the only way to be forgiven is when you believe in Jesus. And that simply means if you're listening to this, you have somebody who has hurt you so bad and you're finding out to forgive the person. I want to tell you about how much God has forgiven you. I remember I was preaching on love and relationship. Once in a while I preach on, I take relationship sessions. I teach on relationship. I teach on love once in a while. And I always armor on this thing. Forgiveness is not as easy as people think it is to an extent. But you know what? Instead of you trying to tell people, forgive him, forgive her, to an extent, I think when you tell people about how much they are forgiven in Christ, to an extent, it produces a fruit called love, fruit of the Spirit, so they can forgive as well. Forgiving people find it easy to forgive others. If you've not experienced the forgiveness, from God, if you don't know what it means to be loved by God, if you don't know what it means to be forgiven by God, it will be hard to communicate what you don't have. It will really, really be hard. That is why with all humility, if you meet those who have not understand righteousness as a gift, who don't understand the grace of God, who don't understand the love of God, they find it hard to love their neighbor. Go make your research. Go, go really, I, I'm talking about people that are people that are even born again. But they are yet to understand the love of God. They think Christianity is all about their love for God. They are yet to have preachers unveiling God's love for them. You didn't get yourself saved. You didn't die for yourself. Somebody died for you. You think you are the, the one trying to please the one. No, he loved you. So when he died for you, you should be hearing more about why he died for you. Hearing more about the fact that he loved you with an everlasting love when he died for you. It is not about you loving God. You loving God will come as a fruit of you understanding his love for you. Anyway, that's not my message. So by the way, so Jesus said, if you forgive others, God will forgive you. Verse 15, Matthew 6, 15. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your father in heaven will not forgive you. So Jesus created the image of a father who forgives based on your forgiveness. So when you forgive somebody who offends you, God will forgive you. That was then under the law. That was under the law. And Jesus intentionally preached the law. Again, in the course of this series, we'll read from Matthew chapter 5 to Matthew chapter 7. We'll read all the things Jesus said. But Jesus intentionally preached these things because he had to make sure he brings man or he brought man to the end of himself. Jesus, I mean, while he was preaching that message, even now I'm preaching it, if I tell you that God will forgive you and forgive I'm telling you, there will still always be some people out there that they, there are some people they are still here to find it easy to let go. They, they, they find it hard to forgive them. And the reason most times is because they are yet to even experience the love, the forgiveness, genuine forgiveness. It's not because God has not forgiven them. They are here to have preachers to unveil how forgiven they are in Christ. And until you know you are totally forgiven, until you know that no matter what you do to God, He has forgiven you because of what Christ did. Not because you deserve it, but because he decided it. To forgive people will be hard. Because you've not experienced it. So how can you give those things that you haven't experienced? So this is why, with all humility, one of the messages I preach a lot is forgiveness of sins. 
And I tell you that you are not forgiven until your next mistake. You are not forgiven partially. You are totally forgiven past, present, and future. Let's do that again. Past, present, and future. Because of what Christ did for you. Once and for all. Psalm 103 verse 3 says, He who forgives all your sins. David said, Bless the Lord of my soul. Forget not his benefit. Number one benefit, he was telling his soul not to forget, is the forgiveness of sin. Because he knows as long as he can remember God has forgiven him his sins, to forgive others will be easy. But again, under the Lord, Jesus preached that forgive people so that God can forgive you. So that was, was more like a conditional forgiveness. But under the grace, if you read Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. I'll read this verse and one more verse and then wrap it up for today. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. The Bible says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ. God forgave you in the past. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. So now it's no longer you forgiving people that God will forgive you. If that's the case, <laughs> it, it won't work out with man. But God is a good God. He's a gracious God. Even if you have people right now that has offended you, that have hurt you, and you're still here to let go, He doesn't change the way God feels about you. He still loves you. And the love of God, the patience of God will grow. So now you may still be talking about a in car, you don't know what somebody did to me 10 years ago. It's okay. That's why I'm pumping you again with what you did for Christ, and yet Christ died for you. You offended God. God paid for what you offended him for. <laughs> and because he loves you. So love covers multitude of sins. And this will also help in relationships. This will help in your marriage. At a point, your, your spouse will hurt you. I mean, I mean hurt. I mean hurt you. But you know, to an extent where you understand, no matter what you you've done to God, God loved you and he forgave you. Then what, what on heart will your spouse do to you that you won't let go? So when you understand how forgiving you are in Christ, to forgive others becomes easy. This is why I also preach the radical love of God. When you understand your love, God's love for you is unconditional, the more you understand it, the more you can show these things around to people around you. I really wish we have people unveiling the love of God, the forgiveness of God, making people understand it is you are forever forgiven. You have a clean state in the sight of God. God doesn't impute your sin to you. Because that's the only way you can live a healthy life with people around you. It is not pointing you to yourself. It is pointing people to how good God is. How gracious God is. It will produce the fruit, the same fruit in you. Because as we behold this image as in the glass, we are being transformed in the same glory. Or as we behold this glory as in the glass, we are being transformed in the same image. The gospel is not to be telling people, you should forgive people. I wish they could. Because you don't know how, how hot they were. You don't know the experience they had when they were being hurt. You don't know what they went through. You don't know what the person did for them. So you may really, really have to... <laughs> that kind of telling people to forgive people just directly may not really fully work. But you know what works much more? When you tell them no matter what you do to God, even in your mess, all the time you messed up and God never used it against you and He loved you. The moment their heart begins to receive that, that no matter what they've done, no matter what they did, God still loves them, God forgives them. When they remember the person that hurt them so bad, it can be easy for them to let go because they know they did much more to God. So forgiving people knows how to forgive, find it easy to forgive people. Hurt people, hurt people. 
Love, loving people, lovely people love people. It's the same thing. Experience it, you can give it. Experience it, then it becomes a fruit. So today, good news. God has forgiven all your sins if you're born again. Through Jesus comes total forgiveness of sins. Not partial forgiveness of sins. And if you've experienced forgiveness from God, then I, I strongly urge you to let go if there's anybody who has hurt you. Because compared to what we did to God, and yet He loved us, and yet He will never leave you nor forsake you, and yet He's your Father, and yet, and yet He's always there for you. He says He will never leave nor forsake you. It's almost as if this God doesn't get angry. Even as at Old Testament, as at Old Testament, David said, God, you are slow to anger. When God was dealing with people based on what they do, David was still telling God, God is so slow to anger. How much more now that God deals with you based on what Christ has done? Glory to God. Don't you love this Jesus? I said so many things. It's a solid meat. Put it together. Solid food. And heat it anyhow. Tomorrow we take it a step further on this series. But I, I'm really getting blessed. I'm glad I'm addressing the things. I'm glad. When, when, when you're looking for deep revelations on the word of God, Christ is the greatest revelation you can have. Anyway. We'll continue from here tomorrow. Father, we thank you. Thank you because as we begin to unveil the truth about your love, your forgiveness for us, we know that it's, it's bearing fruit in our hearts. And Lord, thank you for helping us to lay emphasis on the fact that you've forgiven us, whether we forgive our neighbor or not. And we know that these words will produce more fruit of forgiveness in our hearts. And it will make it easy for your people to let go, to forgive everybody that might have hurt them, offended them. Because we know how much you've forgiven us. That we have total forgiveness in you. The Bible says in you we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. According to your riches. To the riches of your grace. So we will choose to forgive as well. Because we have experienced forgiveness of God, from God. Thank you Holy Spirit. In Jesus mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. It's been an awesome ride. Thank you so much for connecting. We will continue from here tomorrow. Same time. If you would like to support. Partner with us. You you like to. Um, see the gospel of God's love, God's grace, travel to every part of the world, and you have a capacity. God has blessed you as well in promoting the kingdom, in doing that. And you want to work directly with us. We want to work with you as well. Just reach out to us. We want to get this content out, by all means. Make more people listen to it. Make more people understand they are forgiven in Christ. Make more people understand that they are loved by God. Make more people understand that the love of God for them is not based on them. It is based on God's goodness. Hallelujah. So just reach out to us and I want to work directly with you. Thank you so much, everybody. God bless you. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And what I'm doing right now, begin to speak to you in Psalms. Because Ephesians chapter 5 says, speaking to one another in in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs making melody to god in your heart and i just want you to know just like god says in psalm 23 that he is your shepherd and he's always with you even when you don't feel it so you have all that you need you may not see because your sight is limited but if you focus on this world you realize you have all that you need long before you were born his supply is far greater than whatever you ever need on earth if he could give you jesus he will give you every other thing you would ever need long before you get to that season he has made provisions available for you and he wants you to know this don't focus on your bank account to define who you are if he could give you jesus he will give you everything god giving us jesus 
is the proof that he has done for you much more than he will ever do for you he has given you much more than you ever need so just focus on him because you have all that you need and he has made you to lie down in greener pastures in green pastures and when he wants you to lie down he wants you to rest and not stress because he's always working most times you don't feel it so you get worried you get anxious but he says in his word that he has made you to lie down and if he has made you to lie down then rest stop trying to figure out things on your own just allow god to do the things he's doing in your life and he leads you beside the still water where everything is cool calm and collected he restores your soul if your heart is troubled before you came here the lord has restored your soul in the mighty name of jesus oh glory to god and though you walk through the valley of shadow of death you don't have to be afraid because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world glory to god oh and surely god's goodness god's favor god's unfailing love is what is running after you village people are not chasing you <laughs> it's the goodness of god that is hunting you down it is pursuing you all the days of your life and you rest in the house of the lord forever and ever in jesus name amen If you have been blessed by this message, we invite you to partner with us to send the gospel of God's love to all nations. Send us an email on truespiritualitynetwork at gmail.com. You can also follow us on all social media platforms, True Spirituality Network on both Facebook and Instagram, T-Spirituality on Telegram, and Akimika on YouTube. So catch up with all our podcasts, search for Akimika on all major platforms, including Spotify, audio mark and anchor as you feed on god's love for you allow his love to cast out every fear and remember it's not about you it's all about jesus mm-hmm.